0: anyone ever tell you you look like one of the actors from the old 80s movie willow me like name. but uh eric the 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 general general eric i have to i have to look at this yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. i'm searching I heard, it I, I think his name is eric it's like uh
1: oh hell yeah i'm into
0: that oh yeah <laughs> you see that Wait, is this is this the right guy yeah I think. Oh, it's Eric. Oh,
2: oh my God. This is so good. It looks kind of wow. like,
0: uh looks kind of like um Duncan here.
2: <laughs> Duncan, he? you
0: have a new Twitter avatar, dude.
3: <laughs> Doesn't he look,
0: <laughs> isn't it a little bit? Not, not <laughs> No, I
3: totally, know? I, I, see, it. I yes. totally
1: see it. I love this. Oh man. Yeah, that guy's cool. I, I He's see got it. that 80s hair.
2: he <laughs> some, some people. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: Spoiler, he dies.
1: I was I was hoping you were referring to Val Kilmer, but I can I can do this guy. He's cool.
0: <laughs> You'd need uh, no Val Kilmer, a little different.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so we are here today with Noah Smith, uh, writer of no opinion, uh, frequent participant in the online Twitter discourse uh, by the same Twitter handle. And yeah, we're here to talk about all things energy, DERs, et cetera. Noah, we like to start with just a little fun stuff to kind of get to know you and just have a good time. So our first question is when did you first
0: get derpilled? pilled I think today. I think <laughs> this is this is it, really. <laughs> wow, that's huge. I'm yeah, derp.
3: So we're here to der pill you during der-pilled. this podcast. Is that is that what's happening? <laughs>
0: yes i think you this is my no, pilling right now
2: I, you may not know the term but i do think that you're you already are derpilled via yeah. impulse <laughs> labs well uh, and i think actually uh, when you
3: wrote your... and you wrote that article on like why solar is good yeah a lot well i guess that's not much. just distributed solar that's all solar so yeah right we'll get right. into that but
0: wait distributed solar is like rooftop solar
1: yeah, yeah, rooftop or, or really like anything connected, sort of at the local level, as yeah, opposed like to like to at the thing. transmission level. Got it. Yeah, got it. Got so it. So,
2: do you think rooftop solar is like a fundamentally like amazing technology that is like going to going to change the game, or EVs? Or are or, you wrong? <laughs> or induction stoves or anything
0: like that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, well, yeah, you're yeah, all Apple, this. Then. All this stuff That's is great. Big, big deal. Sure i want to hold yes. like a, a, a sword and say like,
3: Dur! yeah we <laughs> all all the Durr puns are welcome here oh, I, we, haven't, we haven't officially yeah it's like we didn't officially welcome you to the thunder dome nice. oh yes of nice. course nice. You, making, you made an murder. 80s movie
2: reference so like you gotta know mad max too
0: i i do know mad max yeah okay. so yeah, we perfect.
3: yeah every guest we bring on is in the thunder dome so um welcome Thank you. And good luck. <laughs> All
2: right. It's, I'll try it to gets survive. hot and heavy in here. Yeah. It's intense.
1: So uh what else what else are you up to outside of Twitter Substack uh activities?
0: Well, not that much. I um Substack's my only job right now. You're cranking I, um... the
2: content out, man. I, I oh, can see how
0: you don't have much much time otherwise. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's uh <laughs> It's it. It doesn't take like all my time. I've I've plenty of other time. But then, you have I, two um, rabbits. I have two rabbits. I take care of the rabbits. I spend a lot of time petting and playing with them. <laughs> um, that really so is amazing. a, a time intensive hobby, you know, just like hanging out with pets. For sure, yeah. They need a lot of love. They definitely do. They're little goofy fur balls. I heavily recommend rabbits as pets. By the way, people don't realize that they're very easy to litter train. You know, they're very affectionate. Hmm. They're, um, they're sweet little creatures. Uh, and you know, people don't realize that.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. This is a, this is a, this is one I feel like people sometimes get lost in, but what is the last job you want to have? So, right. You're going to change the discourse with no, no opinion. People are going to realize what they need to realize.
0: What's after that? Oh, you don't mean like a job that I would hate. Like that's the last job I would want. Oh, no, 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 no. Like
3: Like the the (laughs) last, like the final job before I want to
0: end my career.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think
0: that, you know, I, I, after I've accomplished all that I feel that like I need to accomplish in terms of, of, you know, helping the world, making money, whatever I need to do, I kind of want to write some science fiction. So. uh, Oh, nice. That'll be my, I could
2: see that. And what do you, what do you see that? that you know accomplishing as like you're you're helping change the the climate discourse right now which we've been uh well, climate discourse uh, appreciating sure, you know. like what what do you what do you picture as that that wait that, and like, also that you're on right now well
3: okay you yeah, we can ahead. answer that question first i was going to ask you about the science fiction so oh, okay sure <laughs> yeah you know, so
0: you know there's the in, in terms of what i hope to accomplish there's specific things topics that i'm interested in and you know, ways that I want to change people's specific ideas about the world. And then there's just this general sort of, um I want a, a return to reasonableness. I won't say rationality because that's a poisoned word. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in economics where people use really silly definitions of rationality. But I will say that reason, you know, I, I want people to, you know, think about things and calmly discuss them instead of just, shouting out total BS to try to signify and signal their membership in a political tribe, you know? So and that it, is a,
2: that is a massive task today.
0: Yeah. It's uh it's like Sisyphus rolling a boulder uphill, but <laughs> yeah. that, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of Sisyphuses. There's dozens <laughs> <Sisyphi>? of us.
3: Sisyfy.
0: <laughs> Sisyfy. Thank
3: you. Sisyphi? Yeah.
2: How, how do you and and Duncan stay so calm on Twitter all the time? Like as you're like engaging with everyone, Oh, I'm not calm. You seem calm, Duncan.
3: No, but you're like, you're like reasonable. You're not calm, but you're reasonable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll say, I'll say mean things to people. Like today, um, yeah, I I said, I said some mean things to a guy, kind of a racist uh, guy who was ranting against miscegenation today at me in, in my mentions. And, um, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, he, 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 he was stupid and I, I called him stupid. So you know, I'll I'll be mean. Oh, you'll get it you'll get into it. Nice. Yeah, why not? But like I I'm not I'm not upset. You know, like it doesn't matter. It's just Twitter. I'm just if I'm being mean, I'm just being mean for fun. <laughs> so the one thing I'll I'll get mad at and block people about is if they uh they talk about eating rabbits. You know, you say you have pet rabbits, and then there's always some like mm-hmm. Australian guy who pops up with like, "Well, I like to eat rabbits," <laughs> and I'm like, oh, "I like to block." And, you know, it's like, and, uh, and I'll just instant- instantly block those people.
1: Yeah. Do you do you do you feel that is an immoral act, or is it more so you just don't want to hear about it?
0: Well, I mean, it's an immoral act in some generalized sense, but it's an immoral act to eat pork, which I do. And whatever. And um, no, I, it, it's the, you know, my It's purpose... the reaction
3: to you being like, I have a pet rabbit. And they're like, I want to eat your rabbit.
0: Well, there is that. Like, obviously, you're just trolling. So shut up. But also, yeah. <laughs> right. But But on top of that, it's that I want to convince people that rabbits make good pets. I want them thinking of rabbits in terms of pets more like a cat, not like a food animal. You know, mm, like yep, yep, I, yep. I want to change the popular opinion toward rabbits. And so I want people to be mentally thinking about rabbits as pets not rabbits as livestock okay i could see that yeah
3: yeah i have never mind. i'm not gonna tell you the story um <laughs> is it about
0: eating rabbits <laughs> i've eaten i've eaten rabbits when i was in texas so um, it's
3: it's specifically about like a child whose father used to hunt and then they're at they're eating soup one day which i don't think everyone realized had rabbit in it just had meat yeah. and the the toddler goes more bunny please <laughs>
0: This well that's like... a nice that's a great story i don't know but i i don't know how i would have made it through my day without hearing that story i just you know now and i just everyone
3: at the table was like what? you're
0: getting blocked colleen <laughs> yeah no i mean you don't you don't need to i mean like... to be
3: fair i was like vegetarian growing up because i'm because my dad told me that story too many times fair sure enough you're a like, better I you're I a better person
0: than me I'm no you're a better pres- person i'm not vegetarian i did, I did I for
3: 10 years eat... i feel like i did my time
0: I, I eat pork i um you know like animals get tortured to death because of my just my selfish appetites. And so that's bad. Yeah. I realize that's, that's morally bad. So I don't have room to morally criticize other people, but like, why? Why do, you, why do people feel the need to talk about eating people's pets just to make conversation? That's like, yeah I you, there's always something more fun to talk about. Like we could yeah. talk about, you know, so so, 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 man yeah, and Voltron if you in 1980s were, cartoons or so something. So if you
3: were to write science fiction, do you think yes. you would do like technological advances or aliens? Or like all of it, historical you know I mean? science, all of it. You, you take oh it no, off.
0: right. You, I was you like, you a wide what? range as a science fiction writer. You know, there's there's a few science fiction writers who just want to write about one thing, like Paolo Bacigalupi just wants to write about climate doom, right? That's what he wants oh, to write about. But I, you got to yeah.
2: write a climate optimistic, you know, uh, sci-fi book,
0: right? Climate optimism. By the way, there's a name for this, which is solar punk. Yeah,
2: yep, that's right. Very climate familiar. optimism, solar
0: punk. Yeah, yeah
2: we have some friends that they call themselves the Sol- solar punks club. And, um, oh. they did, um, the first all solar powered, uh, um, like camp at, at burning man. And and we want to throw an eco rave together, where it's just like a party that's solar powered for like a week. Cause you have solar and batteries. So nice. you, like keep the party going at night. And that's, uh, that's maybe a more like direct use of the word solar punk. I don't know if you'll have like a punk band playing or something, but, uh,
3: no, but it's yeah. drive But We're big term. fans yeah. of the, love
2: it. the solar punk aesthetic. It, I love
0: but It's still being born. I feel like yeah. people yeah. have been doomers for so long that the doomerism among among people who are interested in climate, like doomerism has become so entrenched that, the, that solar punk hasn't really had a chance to take root because everyone's just like, well, that's stupid optimism. No, you got to imagine the world underwater and everyone like, you know, a, a psychotic mutant wandering around eating each other's faces. It's like no, you know, that's the that's the sort of standard yeah climate future that the that people have been encouraged to think in terms of. And uh, Is there a yeah.
2: Is there a great solar punk sci
0: fi being written now? Oh, there probably is. Um Annalee Newitz is always uh writing some interesting stuff. I think she's written some solar punk. I still have to read her new book, uh, The Terraformers. But I mm. think um yeah, she'd be one to do it. I hope Ramez Nam will eventually get around to writing his solar punk, uh, opus. Um, there's I a, think there's a little... should, man. That's what I'm, that's what I'm winding oh, up to. You know, can yeah, yeah.
3: Becky, Becky Chambers, maybe. I was like, there's someone.
0: Oh, Becky, Becky Chambers.
3: Chambers. Yeah. Axina.
0: I've only read her. One of our her, solar uh...
3: punks friends is like very into her. Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, maybe, maybe she could do it. I mean, she could do it better than me.
3: Well, I think but... you should also do it. There's room for multiple solar punk sci-fi novels. Um,
1: it's not a it's much much like utilities it's not a natural monopoly (laughs) so let's move on (laughs) to uh what is this is the last of our fun intro questions what is your hottest energy take
0: my hottest energy take wow um i mean i don't think it's very much a hot take but people always sort of do a double take which is when i say that Nuclear power is statist; it's it's centralized and statist by nature. Mm. Whereas solar and power is libertarian.
1: <laughs>
0: solar is libertarian, whereas nuclear is statist, and people just like that—that that freaks people out, you know. Yeah, because uh,
3: all the libertarians Bros. love nuclear. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. Let, let's yeah
0: just, why is that? We have
1: that on the docket. Let's just slide right in. Let's, right in. let's skip a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, why is that? Why are the self-proported like, um, sort of like? pro technology libertarian like anti-socialist sort of social groups so aligned with nuclear when in fact it's always been successfully deployed via the opposite of that
0: right i mean you know i'm i'm pro nuclear right i i like nuclear and uh, and yet the thing is that it's always been government financed um that's why it flourishes in places like france whereas when we sort of deregulated energy stuff. Everyone stopped building nuclear pretty quickly. Uh, the reason is because uh, two factors that combine. There's nuclear's lar- uh, large cost but especially the large cost structure. So if you're going to build a nuclear plant, it's going to be big and it's going to be all upfront cost because uranium costs very little to feed into the reactor or whatever, keep it running. There's labor cost, yes, but most of the cost of nuclear plants is the construction of the plant. And um, and in addition, we don't have like small modular reactors and even those small modular reactors are not very small themselves, right? And so we've got these giant like multi $10 billion behemoths. It's like building a semiconductor fab, right? And, and essentially no, no utility will build that without major government help. And you need government to finance anything that big. And that's always been true. Even semiconductor fabs only occasionally will get financed only once in a great while with a very profitable entrenched megacorp will get financed to that level without massive government help. And so, um, government just can deploy capital on a scale that the financial system will not. And, um, and so that's why nuclear is statist because it requires that, that government capital deployment. Um, solar is libertarian because of exactly what you guys do. You know, you can just put solar panels on your roof and, you know, there's lots of people now in in red states in the U.S. who appreciate the independence that this offers them. Mm-hmm. You know, libertarians have always yeah. dreamed of having a generator at home. Well, now you don't even have to pipe in the fossil fuel. You don't even have to figure out where you're going to get your oil from to fill up your generator or, you know, diesel, but, you're, you know, probably diesel. Um, yeah. Instead, you can just uh, put the solar panels on your roof and then they just work. You know, if you need to clean them, you can just sweep them off yourself. And like they just work for a long time. And then, um, and there is your electricity. And now you're you're not completely free of the grid, maybe, but maybe with some storage in the future, you will be.
1: We we always say, oh, sorry, I was I was gonna say, we always say like imagine having an oil well and refinery and gas power plant all in your backyard, right? And a deck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, like a couple gas get glass panels and some some you know lithium in your batteries.
2: Yeah, If you want to be like truly off-grid as like a fossil fuel consumer, that's always what you need to do. So right. it's a, it literally is like the first time in history that we've been able to just make energy anywhere, save from like collecting wood, I guess, and burning it or something. But right. um
0: energy can be decentralized. Now, of course, you know, decentralized solar, is, of course, everyone knows, is not as cheap as utility scale solar. But it's a lot well, easier to get the permits.
2: I'm going to I'm going to push back on that cuz actually oh. in Australia the the stat I I just talked about this recently that continues to blow my mind is um in in Australia it's like $1200 a kilowatt for utility scale and mm-hmm. or sorry $1100 a kilowatt and mm-hmm. and uh residential is like uh $1200 for rooftop right. solar so it's not But in deal. California rooftop it's it you know the utility scale is the same it's like 1200 or 1300 or something and then Residential is like forty two hundred. Yeah, so right. That's it's like right. Four or five
0: times more expensive. Because, what is the reason for that cost difference?
2: Probably NIMBYism and like permitting and you know. Oh, permitting I, I to really get
0: the you have to do go through a big permitting crap. So that's why. And I yeah, bet that's there's why some went. like
3: soft. Yeah. I bet there's some like acquisition cost still in the U S. That's like Co- harder. Than yeah, Australia.
1: Co- yeah. Cost of customer acquisition is is really big because it's sort of like a compounding thing, right? The the presence <laughs> of high permitting and interconnection costs. Means only the most sort of interested customers are are viable, and therefore you have to work a lot harder to find them. Um, so yeah, customer cost the cost of, uh, cost of customer acquisition is like huge in the U.S. Whereas it's I mean it just, it's like I think it's like four out of ten households in Australia have That's solar crazy. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, so pretty pretty interesting. Okay, so hottest energy take is wait. So oh so. But you didn't so you explained why nuclear's cost structure
3: makes it kind of, status.
1: Yeah, it makes it status and has never led to sort of like technological learning in the same way as um, right. something smaller. Um but why is it then such a darling on the sort of like anti green rationalist right? Purportedly rationalist. I'm not saying actually rationalist, but it's like this talking point like whether it's guys with laser beam eyes or it's like you know people who (laughs) just want to sort of like beat up on the greens as they call them in europe all the time like why is it such a big deal in those circles
3: well i
0: think um you know at this point we get into psychologizing and i wouldn't uh i don't necessarily know but i think there's a few things going on here one is that a lot of people are very mentally stuck in earlier decades and the awesome thing about solar is that its prices come down insanely fast. But what that means is that if you go back even, you know, 12 or 15 years, solar was not economically competitive at that time. So if you look at the mid 2000s, solar was not economically competitive. If you look at the 90s, solar was not even close to economically competitive. We were still doing the research and the exploratory engineering that would eventually allow us to make it competitive. And so at that time, uh, you know, people were, were somewhat justified in saying, look, we can build nuclear right now, like France does, or we can, you know, s- keep spending all this money on solar. Now, spending all the money on solar turned out to be the right idea. But at that time, if you were a big proponent of, you know, just deregulate and, and whatever, then, you know, you would have reason to be frustrated with the environmental regulations around nuclear and, you know, looking at the success of countries like France that decided to manage that risk instead of just avoid it. And you wouldn't really think solar was a, a thing. You know, because you had to be very sort of far-sighted. You had to understand learning curves. You had to understand the way solar is made and the way it could be ramped up. Um and the way it you know that that polysilicon manufacturing was analogous to like, you know, semiconductor manufacturing in ways. And you had to understand a bunch of stuff that we're starting to understand now. But People didn't really know then and it was, it was almost an act of faith that we keep, kept spending so much money on solar and it, and it turned out to be right and that's good. But, um, I think people are mentally stuck in the past and I think that that's the, the, the charitable reason for the nuke pros, right? <laughs> right? And, um, but the, the uncharitable reason here is that, you know, it's all, it's all politics and tribes to these guys and these guys see, you know, it doesn't matter how technologically impressive solar is it doesn't matter how cheap or economically productive solar is what matters is that it's part of team blue it's part of the democrats and Mm -hmm. you want to see if you're team red you want to see team blue lose not not necessarily because of solar but you know because of um of uh you know, a million other things. I don't know, wokeness yeah. or some culture yeah. war thing. You want to see Dems? You want to own the libs? You want to see them cry? You want to see, you know? And so you hold up nuclear as this reason to think that like, libs don't really care about climate change and blah blah yeah. blah. You can sort of use nuclear as this talismanic idea and are you know to 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 try to <laughs> to accuse libs of hypocrisy and to just basically avoid the actual question of like, well, okay, how do we get green energy right. yeah. and political tribalism you know americans have become used to thinking of the, everything in terms of just tribe instead of effectiveness and now this is the reckoning this is where we're reaching an era where we can no longer coast on that
2: why do you think uh as, as sort of part of that like um you know i guess you'd say the lib camp doesn't like adapt like isn't it it's very clear to you and i think to us like these dynamics going on is just like other people aren't picking up on it um Like why why is it um why is it that like an effective like counter narrative can't can't be built?
0: Um, I mean it can and I think it is, but you know, just because a a counter narrative can be built doesn't mean it just sweeps the field before it, right? (laughs) I think that like more and more people are realizing that solar is for real, that the you know, the cost uh advantage is for real and that the intermittency isn't as big a problem as people thought. Um and I think that people are starting to realize that and they're starting to see the proof with their own eyes. You know, they have friends who just power their house with solar and talk about their utility savings and uh, and word spreads and utilities do their little, you know, um, hurdle rate projections and whatever. And they see that solar is going to work for them and word gets out. But, you know, it's it, it takes a long time and people can you know, I, I bet there's someone out there with solar panels on their roof who still goes online and yells at the libs about how solar will never work and only <laughs> nuclear will work. With solar panels on their yeah. roof. I bet that guy exists. Maybe not in large numbers, but I bet that guy exists.
2: Yeah. So you, I mean, that's, that is, I, I think an optimistic take. Basically just a large portion of the narrative is like people sort of a legacy of 10 years ago saying, Oh, solar used to have to be heavily subsidized to make sense. And they're still kind of clinging on to that idea, even though it's not really true, true anymore. And just like over time, the inertia behind
0: that will like erode. Essentially, i mean you know politics like science advances one funeral at a time (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: good
1: oh man um interesting i mean i would i'd throw out i think there's like a third reason too like there's there's backward there's sort of like thinking with old data there's basically tribalism um i do think there's and this is like a more recent thing but like amongst sort of like new reactionaries or like new populists there's this view that like as as our political institutions align around renewables which um declaration of such i think is very premature but anyway um there's the 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 distrust that then comes with that amongst a certain group right it's like you want to meet make me eat the bugs and you want to make me use that shitty energy source right right um and and remember energy's
0: energy's wimpier if it comes from the sun than if it comes from the atom yeah yeah (laughs) a jewel of energy is so much less if it comes from the sun
3: you didn't have to burn anything there's no fire
0: yeah no fire nukes can make like nuclear bombs you could bomb someone with that Uh, like uh, you can't bomb someone with the sun well Well, you should
3: (laughs) (laughs) eventually yeah
1: but it's, you know, and therefore, this is like the conventional thing, which they are making us give up uh, much right. like how they're making us give up our our gas cars and things like that.
0: But, but I don't so I don't actually think that that's as big a deal because nuclear we have a, some of it, but um, most of these people are are drawing power from gas plants. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe coal. Yeah. But uh, but, you know, especially especially natural gas, I think that the nuke bros have always been these people who are like, we can't do solar cause we have to do nuclear instead. We have to do this giant, right. out of nuclear. but I think the people you're describing are more likely to want to just keep using fossil fuels.
1: Yeah. That's a fair point. They're not inherently nuke bros. They're just, you're like talking about the, yeah. Like the, the,
0: the gas. Bros. Bros.
1: Yeah, but yeah. There yeah. is
2: a weird alignment between like Alex Epstein's like fossil future. And like a lot of the nuclear camp right now, there is but, yeah like, yeah. And,
0: and more and more, you see the guys from the breakthrough Institute, uh, you know, just, just abandoning the whole like nuclear is the only way thing and starting to say just like, let's keep using fossil fuels. That's <laughs> just wild. Just is that really happening? What? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the, the other day, um, the, I, I talked about, I wrote a post talking about China's coal industry and one of the breakthrough guys, Seaver Wang, wrote, uh, you know, he was like, well, here's all the reasons why China needs to keep using coal. And he got really mad. And I was like, well, bro, like that's, no. What what? What? No.
1: Hmm. I need to read that. Interesting. I got Yeah, he
0: got that he out. got really yeah. mad. He was like, well, here's why China's here's why China couldn't produce all this like steel if they didn't use all this coal because they're using it for energy at the same time as they're using it for like um, you know, coking or whatever. And um and then, you know, it was like it was all this stuff about like, well, China has no alternative to coal. When you look at China's steel capacity, they produce four more four times as much as the entire developed world combined in terms of steel. Like that's pointless that's steel. Insane. They're making mountains of pointless crap. It's all, and I mean, it's low quality steel, but like they're, you know, they're making just mountains of steel that they don't need to make use, you know, running at the edge of profitability, even with government subsidies for which they need subsidized cheap coal for. And like, that's not a defense, you know, that's not mm. a reason China needs to keep mm-hmm. using that coal. Like that's a reason China needs to stop making that steel. and cement (laughs) wild wild so anyway the bit bit to see a breakthrough institute guy talk just like you know go full i don't know mask off and be like (laughs) forget nuclear no one's talking i mean china's building plenty of nuclear whatever like not even about nuclear at all it's just coal is essential we need to we need coal for the future let's burn all this coal to make Wait, all this So what, useless what,
2: what makes me curious in this is like, as, as a self-professed, uh, techno optimist or yourself, like, do you have like a nuclear is usually associated with this, like, more sci-fi, futuristic, optimistic world, right? Where we have like infinite, cheap power, clean power, whatever. Like, do you, do you see one, a technological route there, like say through R&D of SMRs or even do you have some, statist inclination of like we should just go build a lot of nuclear like do you think do you see in the next 10 20 years like nuclear actually proliferating and do you think it it should to a degree and and what would be the route there
0: i am i am pro nuclear you know uh, despite getting yelled at by the angry nuke bros on twitter like i'm not one of those people who's inclined to just believe the exact opposite of you know or just like take the exact opposite stand of whoever's yelling at me this week on twitter right I, i get yelled at by the nuke bros because they're silly, but I, you know, I, I, I support nuclear power and I think we're going to build more of it. I think that, um, geopolitical tensions are going to play into that. I think Japan's going to build more nuclear. Uh, China's obviously building a lot more nuclear. I think Europe will at least keep nuclear. It has maybe build some more. And then the United States, the obstacle to building nuclear will be the obstacle to building anything in the United States. It's more of a question yeah. of, can we build anything at all? Yeah. that That's yeah. really what I'm asking. Yeah, housing about. Yeah. Or, yeah solar anything transmission transmission
3: well, like, yeah we yep. need, you
0: need transmission for nuclear plants you got like this giant plant you need to transmit the electricity somewhere you still need to build the power lines
2: so i guess like do you think we will and if so how is it like I better don't know technology US, i think the it...
0: world will yeah. the world the world will build and i'm not super optimistic about small module reactors i think they might be a small improvement i've looked at their numbers and, and which you know inevitably don't include the cost overruns um which they're now seeing but like It's a, it's a decent technology, you know, and I think it'll, it'll be in the mix. Uh, I think fusion will eventually get, um, I think, you know, fusion used to be perpetually 50 years in the future and now it's perpetually 20 years in the future. So that's an improvement. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's right. Um, and so I, you know, there's a number of promising avenues toward, toward getting commercial fusion working. Fusion will have all the exact same. You know, capital structure problems as fish. Yeah, right. Like, why would it be so. any
2: cheaper? It'll be like fine. more, it's like more complicated,
0: right? Then it is more complicated. It's, it's just bigger. I am absolutely in favor of the government shelling out huge amounts of money to build these things. Yeah, I, I, I love it. You know, do it. I'm a statist. You know, I believe in, <laughs> I believe in like, you know, the space program and the interstate highways and like COVID vaccines and the Manhattan project. I believe in status solutions when, when appropriate and. You know, they're not always appropriate, but I believe that this is – these big technological prog- projects and financing of things that private sector won't finance are one situation where you absolutely need the government. Um, you've yeah. got to be a, just a crazy libertarian to not think that you need the government for those things. And so I think that nuclear will be built at least in everywhere except the United States, and I don't know about the United States, and I think that that will be good. Um, and that, that- <laughs> I, I do want to say, I just, well, I team. think that's
2: like a great, I haven't heard anyone say it. It's certainly how I feel. Like even one, you're acknowledging the statist piece of this. And then two, you're also acknowledging like the political reality in the US right now. And I don't think people are willing to make like both of those steps. So hmm. first, like if you're pro nuclear, <laughs> you don't want to admit it's a status solution. And then two, if you, if you are, you also aren't necessarily willing to admit that like, that's the problem, right? <laughs> like, well, how are we going to do that in the U.S.? So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I also just, think I just the haven't US, heard that out there much.
3: I also feel like the U.S. is, like, poised because we have a lot of solar and wind resources to, like, not need nuclear as much as some other countries will need it because, like, they just don't have the right resource mix to do a largely renewable grid, right? Like, we can argue how far you can go on just solar wind and batteries but like
0: well and gas if we're being well but i'm saying without i'm saying
3: like without yeah but also yeah. right but yes we also have a lot of gas like I mean, the denmark's, point is
0: like denmark's cloudy and cold and and up north and they they seem to do pretty well in terms of renewables
2: well it's all they wind right a
0: lot, a lot of, of, of it wind, is wind. Yeah, i mean like, they have a lot, like but north, i'm saying but there are some
3: wind. places that don't have a lot of wind and that may not have a lot of sun Have
0: low wind and low sun yeah so like where germany
2: like they bet heavy on solar and I don't know if they have wind, but they don't have, they have like the same solar as like Alaska. And they were like, let's shut down the nukes and build solar. So I understand if you're in Germany, why you're pissed. Yeah. And then they were like, just kidding.
3: Let's turn on more coal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. I don't know how
0: the Germans make decisions. I think they just, they just sort of like stare and then sort of like blink slowly and then just like do something really dumb. (laughs) That's like the German decision making process. I don't know how they, you know, do what they do.
1: Wait, so I want to go off script slightly. We're talking about German energy policy. Uh, we're, we're talking about the sort of geopolitical nature of energy. Noah, I want to know who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline.
0: <laughs> wow, God, <man. laughs> who blew up Nord Stream pipeline? Really?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ukraine. Ukraine. Interesting. Yeah, of course. That's that's the second yeah I, if you're not I a, if if you're not saying US yeah i think you have to say Ukraine Yeah
0: no i mean it's it's, it's not US because a it's pointless like our incentive to do it is very low and mean, the, sell a the risk of, of doing it is very high right like the risk of getting caught doing that is like is is big cuz then everyone thinks you're an ass and it could sever the transatlantic alliance right but the risk of um yeah, but The the benefit of doing it, you know, is the only benefit of doing it is to, like, again leverage over Germany, you know, like, reduce Germany's desire to ally with Russia or to, like, make concessions to Russia for gas. And, like, honestly, we can put pressure on Germany anyway. It's, like, we didn't need that. And so, also, if you look at all the, like, you know, the Cy Hirsch story is just absolutely full of holes. Our naval units don't even do this kind of thing. Honestly, like, we we don't do a lot of, like, diving blow-up things. Like, that's not our... We can, but it would take like a lot of learning before we operationalized that, but like the Soviets had the tech to do that, and where was all the Soviets' best military tech located Ukraine and so I mean Ukraine blew up the Russian flagship with like a homemade missile <laughs> um Ukraine has all the ex Soviet like diving bomb stuff, and they absolutely have the the reason to do this, and for them, the risk is worth taking, you know like the um the risk of of getting found out because like the, the need to, to assure German support is just much greater. They can't leverage, they can't put their own leverage on Germany the way the United States can. And so like, I mean, come on. Of course it's Ukraine. I think
1: that's a pretty good argument. So you're firm. I'm so
2: lost right now, to be honest. Like, uh, I'm an energy guy.
0: Like, I'm, I
1: don't know what's going on. <laughs> so you're, you're firmly. Like, I wish in, it was, it I wasn't. wish it
0: was the U.S. I wish we were bad, badass enough to just like go out and blow up the Russian pipeline and be, Hey, Russia, your pipeline by we we didn't though like it was it was ukraine okay and everyone knows this and you know we we make jokes about how like russia blew up their own pipeline which i mean like they are kind of dumb enough to do maybe so like there is a slight chance that russia did blow up their own pipeline for some dumb reason because they're dumb (laughs) but like i i mean i i think overwhelmingly likely to be ukraine
1: okay sorry sorry to James and Colleen, I just had to. ask No, it. we just, was...
3: yeah, I got it. You had an <laughs> opening, you went for it.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh... I scored it. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I just think it's funny because, like, you know, all the the pro Ukraine people are always like, "It's Russia, Russia blew up their own pipeline," and like, I think they're doing it tongue in cheek. Like, they know it was Ukraine.
1: <laughs> like, it, it's never made sense to me why, like, Russia. silly Russia. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, like, the the people blaming it on the United States are just trying to like. They're trying to like create tensions between the United States and Europe and do their little meddling propaganda bullshit as they always are. Like, because that's, you know, uh their that's their way, that's their technique, is propaganda bullshit. And um and so but like um it doesn't make any sense. Like Ukraine has been the only actor that ever made sense to blow up this pipeline. Maybe with like help from Poland or Finland or something, like maybe someone helped them. I don't know but like yeah they
3: seem pretty pretty good on their own
0: yeah they had the means and the motive like what else do you mean know? no one else knows. anyway
1: all right let, let's move on james or let's, colleen on our list anything you want to go with next yeah
2: i did i because i know there's there's other stuff we want to get to but i want to go back to colleen's point about how much cheap solar and wind that um <clears throat> that we do have in the u.s and And no, again, you're the, you're the one person I've seen out there. I, I like wrote this, uh, long article series, the, like, uh, I don't know, two years ago or something where I thought, um, I basically said, I, I, I agreed. I, you know, that the great, like stagnation basically putting forward that, like it was due to energy costs essentially. And then you're, um, you're, uh, why I'm so excited about solar and batteries, like, I, I don't know. Was, I, 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 I'm not an economist, right? Like I don't, I just thought I was like making stuff up, but it was, it was really cool <laughs> for me to see that, that, you know, you putting out, um, knowing a lot more about, about these things than I do. Um, like a, a similar, a, a similar thesis. And, um, I guess, I guess, yeah, what, I, what I'm asking is, like where, I don't know, you, you know a lot more about economics. So like, can you just describe like that, that thesis in, in a nutshell? And, uh, maybe for the listeners, like how, how you arrived at that?
0: Wait, um, which one? The, you were basically
2: saying in the, yeah, you, I guess you read one articles. Maybe, maybe you don't even remember this one, but why I'm so excited about solar and batteries. And right, you talked right, right. about the great stagnation and how like cheap cheap energy inputs essentially could like oh you mean why why did the great
0: stagnation come from come from uh energy stagnation
2: yeah and then like what that means for the u.s like the next you know as this as this plays out
0: i guess so if you if you look at um recently a number of people have been asking why did this productivity stagnation start why did why did the nature of the economy change in the early 70s and people made this yeah there's
2: the like what the fuck happened in
0: 1973 like twitter handle and stuff yeah but but it's
2: 1971
0: oh right yeah whatever because when they eyeball the graph they can't see that it's actually 1973 (laughs) right but it is 73 and uh what happened in 1973 was the oil shock right um and the oil shock spelled the end of cheap oil i mean if you look at oil prices it's like it's like near zero, near zero, near zero. And then just this giant leap. It's yeah. Like... like
2: never structurally returned back to baseline. Never. Right.
0: And, um, and you could see right at that, at that point is when energy use per capita started going down.
3: So, okay. So I have not a, not a disagreement with like the fundamental premise, but that graph of the energy consumption per capita is similarly used in like every energy efficiency world. And on (laughs) top of that graph is the like energy consumption that would have existed if energy efficiency hadn't started becoming a thing in the 1970s, which is basically like energy consumption per capita actually would have continued to go up. And what that like leveling off is signifying is like a really successful decoupling of GDP Mm. from energy because we've made everything so much more efficient. And so that know, like, I've
2: I've also seen that it's like we offshore
0: our industrial base, which uses a lot I mean, of energy. Yeah, well, that, so, one, that one's wrong. That one's wrong. What we um, I mean, we offshore some of our industrial base, but then that's oh, so um, Colleen's
2: right. That's that that doesn't surprise me.
0: No, what what uh, but but in fact, the raw materials that we then export are actually often contain more carbon than the stuff that we import. Um, so our our emissions from consumption and our emissions from production have changed by the same amount. In other words, Mm -hmm. there has been zero net effect of the offshoring of industry on our Mm -hmm. own carbon emissions by any measure you want to use. Zero. Interesting.
3: But yeah, so I guess like, I mean, so I guess like when, when coming back to like the productivity and I don't just and I don't disagree also that like energy efficiency came about because of high energy prices, right? Like no one cared about efficiency when energy was cheap because they were like, Right. Just build things; it's cheap. And then when it got expensive, everyone was like, "Wait, like maybe I should insulate my home. Maybe we should work on making boilers more efficient. Like maybe we should do all these things." And then utilities were like, "Maybe we can rate base all of this." And that's when things really got going. But I do think there is like some of this that is we are using less because we're doing more with less.
0: Right. I mean, like I think that energy efficiency is good. Um, and I think that, uh, it, you know, a, a lot of why we started focusing investment on intangible things or, or not intangible, but like, um, you know, less energy intensive things like computers. Um, a lot of that burst of innovation happened because we turned our attention away for, well, because we, we stopped being able to fund like, you know, ever bigger airplanes and cars and like ever bigger engines right. and, and so like you know, ever efficiency more appliances. So like
2: the focus on that was like result of the structurally higher energy prices. Right.
3: So we spent more time in yeah. building efficient appliances than we did right. in building new things. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And that and that was good. And then you know the the learning how to be more efficient is also good, and um and the fact that it reduced emissions per capita by a lot is good, and the fact that it spurred us to put all that money into inventing solar was really yeah. Like, I mean, it kicked off in the
2: seventies, right?
0: Exactly. Remember if the energy use per capita had stayed the same, it would have stayed the same because of eternal cheap oil. Now, of course we would have actually hit peak oil at some point, but had we continued to extract it at that rate, but we, um, uh, um, yeah, I mean like continuing to just roast the planet by using ever cheaper oil would have been bad. So in other words, The end of cheap oil was ultimately good because it got us to do this multi-decade investment in solar, which is now paying off, which will get us cheap energy in a way that destroys the environment much less than, than oil did. And I'm, you know, there is some environmental effect of solar. You know, you've got to mine the minerals and like whatever, recycle the panels, but, um, uh, but it's much less Right. Then, uh, then for oil, oil yeah, perpetually
2: taking up coal and oil, like yeah. hundreds
0: of billions of tons. Right.
1: Yeah. You don't, you don't light it on fire every time you use it. Yeah.
0: Right. And yeah. So, and the, the, the mining is really horrible for the environment and you spill it and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I mean, like, um, so yeah, solar is going to be better. And then eventually we'll invent something better than solar, you yeah. know, maybe fusion or something, something that has an even lower environmental footprint. Um, and then we'll, we'll just keep improving that way. But I think that the energy crisis that we had in the 70s had a long had short-term bad effects and long-term good effects
2: but well, what do you, i mean what do you think it did to the us economy like that's also what point people point to as like the like start of a divide of like kind of the middle class and the like super wealthy and you know increasing gini coefficient or whatever it is or um sort of a decline of the middle class in the U S um, and like over financial Asia, financialization of, of uh, our economy. Like, do you, do you
0: view that as, as part of it as well? Or well, maybe yes, maybe no. I think, um I think that financialization, there were other things being done to encourage financialization. I think the fact that we couldn't rely on cheap energy for growth anymore, lent, lent power to the arguments of the financial industry that we needed to shift to finance and deregulate. So that to allow finance to generate growth, which it did for only a short time and with disastrous consequences. But so unleashing finance wasn't necessarily good. Although, you know, finance industry did help to finance the tech boom and, and all those things and create the internet. So it's not, it's not a, you know, I wouldn't say that's it's a, it's a loss, but I would say that it wasn't uh, nearly as good as, as, um, well, anyway, that's cheap energy <laughs> as cheap energy. So. Yeah. But so so there is some connection there. But I think and, and in terms of inequality, it's very hard to say. Like, I do think that you're right. And that I do think that there is something to the idea that physical technologies, atoms technologies, which run on energy, right? If you're talking about bulldozers and refrigerators and cars and airplanes and blah, 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 yeah. and all these, these technologies and, and big machine tools that pound stuff. If you're talking about these very energy intensive physical technologies, I think they're very complementary to human intelligence. I think that, you know, we were able to create good factory jobs because a regular human can do pretty skilled work with the aid of those machines and make cars. You know, the people working in the car factories are not like math geniuses, but they're able to put out a whole lot of value, right, mm-hmm. with the aid of these machines. And they're very complementary to human labor. They're they're what economists would call labor augmenting. And there's an mm-hmm. argument that in the shift to to at bits technology, the shift from atoms to bits, you get computers and stuff. That is more human capital intensive than it is uh, um, capital intensive. And so, in other words, to 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 create the value in computer world, you need more education. And that means that only the college educated are going to reap the benefits, which is in fact what we've seen. So this is called the skill bias technological change hypothesis. People argue Mm. it back and forth, but I do think that some of it went Mm. on. I think that it went on in the eighties and was in part a response to the fact that it was very, it was a lot more expensive to power the kind of technologies that complemented the average person's skills. And so I do think there is really something to this, this idea that James is talking about.
2: But you, you also, I think in that same article, you basically say that like the information revolution was like not sufficient to cover the gap that expensive energy created as far as like maybe its efficiency gains. Um, do you, do true. you like,
0: do you feel That's that true. way? I guess. And that, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that bit, bit's technologies, it's been harder to increase measured productivity than Adam's technologies. Adam's yeah. technologies, you can just make more stuff. BITS technologies, you have to provide more value, and um mm-hmm. that can be difficult. Yeah. So I think that um ultimately one reason for the productivity slowdown is the end of cheap energy. And a lot of the rules we put up in, in keeping with the end of cheap energy, you know, I think when you look at today's nimbyism towards solar, toward anything really, housing, I think that you see there were social causes for that, right? There were cultural causes, but there were also technological causes in that – if oil super expensive and you can't afford to build a lot of new stuff anyway, if it just got more expensive, then maybe people would object less to rules that prevent the building of new housing and new energy and all this stuff because mm-hmm. people would object less because mm-hmm. it was just so expensive anyway because your energy got expensive. And so I think there is probably – I think that the, the era of expensive energy encouraged us to go NIMBY, which ultimately was to our detriment. Interesting, yeah. Um, but I don't have proof for that. So that's just a speculation. Yeah. Right.
2: And do you, do you think like, I guess the last part of this is like our sort of getting trained in, in say software engineering is like getting democratized enough. Um, you know, maybe it was only in a, a pocket of like a few elite institutions where like all the computer science research was being done, but now it's like becoming ubiquitous enough that that can sort of re- reinvigorate the, the domestic labor force. Or right. Do you think that trend continues? Um, you know, as, uh, and, and really like cheap energy is like the only possible thing that can kind of break the, break the
0: stagnation. I think it will. And I think that cheap energy will have, will have to have a simultaneous denimbification of our, of our society. We're going to need to learn how to
3: build again. Yeah.
0: And, um, in order and we're to, we're going to need down. a lot
3: of more construction jobs. Like I, I'm like real big on, on, yeah, right. the, on the revitalization of blue collar work. Cause I'm like, there's no way we build it all without that and i think we're gonna have like a more middling of whether you need to go to college and how much computer programming you can learn in high school right like to that point even like right you know do you need a four-year degree to do all of that
0: yeah and so honestly i don't think that i think when we talk about college education what we really mean is is probably in this case selection uh because um the skills would probably be there even if people didn't learn them in college, even if they learned them on the job. Yep. People could learn to be computer programmers just by working and taking classes while they work, you know, just like yeah. doing independent study while they work, you can learn on the job. Job training works. Uh, you could also, you could go to college to learn how to work in an auto factory, right? Um, so I don't think it's, we talk about education, which is easy because it's easy to measure, but what we really mean is, can, like a normal person can learn how to use a machine tool pretty easily because the intuition of how to work with your hands, you know, the hand eye sort of stuff and the in, visual intuition of how a machine works comes a lot natural, more naturally than the sort of, um, I, I wouldn't say it takes l- any less intelligence, but I would say mm-hmm. that it's, it, in terms of the, the learning environment, it just comes much more naturally than the structured, you know, like, Learning environment that you need to uh, say do software engineering or, or finance, you need it's you really have to bend your brain into unnatural shapes to do software engineering and finance. Whereas for uh, for you don't have to do what, what we discovered with manufacturing, and one reason why manufacturing became such a big deal for labor is that we discovered that normal people can learn how to do it. Not because normal people are dumb and this is easy. That's wrong. It's because the way that normal people learn is you know, it's easier to, for a normal person to learn that stuff, to learn how to use a machine than to learn how to, um, you know, derive the equations that represent a machine. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, um, yeah, I mean, like you had, yeah, incredibly productive people doing this, this kind of work, uh, because it was, it was intuitive. You could learn iteratively. You could just use the machine until you figured, okay, this is how it works. And then you could know how this machine works. And then you could kind of visually, intuitively sense what other machines, how how to arrange processes so that you could move something from this machine to that machine quickly and efficiently and blah, blah, blah. And so it's this very participatory production. Whereas for the software boom, it was not as participatory. You didn't see a regular Mm -hmm. person becoming a high-value-added software engineer, not because of any deficiency of intelligence. But simply because the structure.
1: It's not intuitive. Is not that,
0: most yeah. do.
1: that certainly makes sense to me. James, you okay? If I zoom in, we're pretty zoomed out right now.
0: Yeah. No, I got go this for idea it, from Brad DeLong, by the way, and he's great. You should interview Brad DeLong someday. Okay. Nice.
1: All right. So you recently, uh, maybe you haven't been dirt pilled into until today, but you certainly were battery stove pilled recently. Um, <laughs> Talk to us about that. I think it's, it's, it's interesting to us because we're so sort of like deep in this distributed energy world. Um, to, to see kind of the public reacting to a distributed energy device this way is interesting. I don't know. Tell, tell us about your, uh, your sort of journey with battery stoves.
0: Right. So I have a lot of entrepreneurs and would be entrepreneur friends here in Silicon Valley. Everybody wants to start a company, right? And so a lot of friends of mine want to start companies or have started companies. And usually when they come to me and tell me their idea or what they're already doing, blah, blah, blah my natural reaction is, well, that's stupid. That'll never work. Here's 10 reasons why. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm, I might, I'm probably wrong about that, but it, it's fun to be skeptical and poke holes and things just as fun.
3: Right?
0: <laughs> and usually there's like a lot of really contingent hypotheses there's like a lot like people have to really go out on a limb to make a business and that's inevitable that's the nature of the beast for most businesses they take overconfidence and a leap of faith and we need those overconfident entrepreneurs to believe things even though the evidence isn't there but then my friend sam d'amico who uh you know he said here's the startup i'm i'm working on um it's it's doing battery-powered appliances here's why they'll work i tried to poke holes in it and he was just like nope nope I'm 10 steps ahead of you. Nope. <laughs> no, I just really tried. I could I never book a single hole in it. That's I was like, what about safety? Book. What about efficiency? What about mineral requirements? What about manufacturing capacity? What about the interface? What about cooking with this kind of material? And I just like threw every single thing I could think of at this thing. And he's like, nope, 10 steps ahead of you. And I was like, okay, take all my money. Well, you, <laughs> met, you met your match. I met my match. Sam D'Amico, man. That guy's brilliant. Um, he, he is really the most... He is the most intuitive engineer you've ever seen he if you've ever seen like you know Star Trek or any of these shows they always have this character um who's just like not an engineer by background but who just like can magically know how everything works right and you're like this is stupid that's not a real <laughs> thing like like I don't know Belana Torres on um on Star Trek Voyager right or something I don't remember that's I, you have to be old to know that one or or kaylee (laughs) from a firefly oh kaylee she's great right and then you're like but people aren't really like that right and then you meet sam d'amico and you're like okay some someone's really some people are like that (laughs) because he can just go into an area of engineering where he just knows nothing read about it for like you know an hour and then immediately know what will and won't work you know and then he's just like the most intuitive engineer i've ever seen and so he he's doing this battery-powered appliance company and um batteries just have so many advantages that i think they're going to win for a lot of this stuff.
1: What are those and advantages? Why. Yeah, Not what are those advantages? Advantage,
0: a lot of things. Uh so so the first advantage of batteries is that um the they can they can discharge really rapidly and create high power uh which you're, the normal electricity in your walls just cannot do because of the wires in your walls they will burn out. If you yeah. try to run a lot of current through the wires in your walls they will burn like you cannot do it and your circuit breaker will break. Um because when, you know, FDR whoever was wiring up America, they were like, well, they couldn't need that much power. But ironically, <laughs> like you're up in more. But like yeah. We did it pretty cheap. Um we didn't run high capacity wires through and so so um what happens is that the batteries trickle charge and then blast. Right? And so yeah. that really magnifies the power you're able to use if you don't need to use the power all day which you almost pretty much never do um right. the only, there's nothing where you need to use high power all day <laughs> although in the future there will be because we will be able to use high power all day but we don't have that kind of energy abundance yet so you either have things that are use on high power for a short time like a stove or 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 you know um an ac or heater cool you know cooling down or heating up your house right it'll only use high power for a short time while it changes the temperature and yeah. then it'll be on maintenance power, and then or you have a dryer, right? A dryer uses high power for like an, a couple hours. Yeah. Right? So, so basically, you,
2: um, you right. So, will you see high the high power overcoming like the kind of incumbent copper wires that we have everywhere as like the core advantage. Or are there are are there others as well?
0: Well, right. I mean, so you don't have to rewire anything. So that's great because it's yeah. just plug and play. Americans really need plug and play, given the difficulty we have of building anything. This is so appliances. We're great at you just plug it, pull it out, plug it in. We're fine yeah. with that kind of innovation, and that's what this is. So that's the first advantage. Um, the second advantage is once you get a hell of a lot of batteries, you have a distributed storage and dispatch system. You have dispatchable energy throughout your entire apartment complex or block. Um, that's really useful for blackouts. It's really useful for just managing the grid, just managing the intermittency of 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 energy. It's. Um, yeah, it's it's having that dispatchable energy is great, and it creates a network effect, which is great for a business. As a business, you want every person who buys the business, you want them to increase the incentive for more people to buy it, right? And so, if you have, you know, uh, impulse of the name of my friend's company. I am invested in it, so disclaimer, investment, blah blah. I'm corporate show. Yeah, we
3: actually had Sam on the podcast a few episodes ago. Oh, you so. did? Okay, never mind. So you, you yeah. know all about this stuff. So he's no, but we're, this me. is. I know. I was like, are we testing? I was like, are we testing Noah? Because you're doing great. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm, I'm almost better than Sam at selling this because Sam gets into technical weeds, and I'm like, here's the vast thing. So you have this distributed, resilient energy system that can input, that can output extremely high power anywhere you want it, any time for anything uh you know for for cheap and it's going to be cheap so i
3: love it i'm sorry.
1: okay so the benefits are one it gets around the constraints of the copper wires and two um by virtue of you know being distributed you have sort of this like resilience baked in and the ability to sort of charge and discharge at the right times so there's this dispatch quality um, which benefits the end user yeah you've In addition to describing the benefits of battery stoves, you've described the 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 opportunity of distributed energy broadly, right? You're definitely dirt pilled.
3: Yeah, I know. I was like, because actually, I do want to go back to like a really like offhand comment you made a a little while ago, um, and kind of dig into because we are a distributed energy focused podcast. Um, you were like, until we have fusion, and then maybe that's better than solar. And I want to ask this like. Let's assume that we have fusion, right? Like what place do you see, like do you still think that distributed energy is good? Like we obviously do, and we can talk to about to you about why. But like I'm curious, like how you view that. Like let's say we have abundant fusion.
0: Yeah, is there like a tension there? Oh, um Do we still well, have
3: distributed energy or do you like, uh, eh, we don't need it anymore?
0: Uh oh, well, so it's possible that we won't need it because it's possible that fusion gets so amazingly good that we can just like build gigantic, like fifties looking sci-fi mega plants of fusion. And just like, then we approve all the transmission. So we have super high powered superconducting lines. I don't know, whatever, (laughs) like out to every house from this giant plant, just like Thomas Edison wanted. (laughs) I can't rule that out for you. I don't know.
2: What if a a hurricane knocks out the distribution grid? Like it does kind of every year. Well, then you just,
0: you do what Trump said. You you nuke the hurricane, you know? I
2: don't know. Um, no, you need the
0: batteries still, man. Come on. Yeah. You need,
3: this is us uh, dirt you. This is us being like, but I mean, like, uh, if you think about the batteries,
0: you're still going to have all the copper wires, even if you have the fusion plant. Yeah. You're still going to have all the old wires and you're still like, it doesn't matter how much energy fusion can output. You're still going, or even how much power it can output. You're still going to be power limited for your appliances by the by the wires in your house, and those take a long time to change. They're hard to change. Maybe in the future we'll change them all to like, you know, yttrium barium copper. I don't know. Um, But then, like, (laughs) no, this
1: was was Sam's point. He was saying in the hyperfusion world, you still need distributed batteries to a deal with the system's utilization, and then b uh, deal with backup. Exactly. Um, So yeah. in terms of
0: distributed energy generation, I cannot say what the future looks like. Yeah. But in terms of distributed energy portability and storage, I will say we will always need that because the ability to store energy and move it around in space is a power that is is a thing that is independent of energy generation. And we've – yeah, oil and coal made like us that. used to thinking of these as, as intimately connected, as yeah. the mm-hmm. same thing. Because right. you burn things wherever they were. You carry it around the oil and then you burn the oil. You carry around the coal and then you burn the coal. Right? But then, um, but nuclear is not like that. And wind and solar are not like that. And the, the energy of the future is not like that. We'll need ways to carry your energy around. Also, honestly, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of applications for which burning something on site requires extraction machinery that is large and heavy. So, if you look at little quadcopters or leaf blowers or whatever, um, having a combustion engine in them makes limits them in many ways. And as yeah. the batteries get better and better, you can, they become better than combustion engines for larger and larger objects. Totally. And yeah. because they don't have the extraction machinery. It's just a battery. You just get electricity out of it. Whereas for a, uh, if you're extracting mechanical energy from fossil fuels, you need a combustion chamber and a crankshaft and whatever, yeah. you know, like, Whatever the, your machinery is for extracting it, you need that engine, right? And if that you, engine's bulky. It's big. Battery is just like, it creates power, not, not mechanical energy, right? It creates electrical energy. And so just right on site. Yeah. If, you, um, if right, you've, no, ever, no if generator. you've ever,
1: if you've ever driven a, an electric like moped or a little scooter, it's, right. it's like a hundred times better than a gas one. Absolutely. Nobody, first of all, no one wants to ride a scooter a hundred plus miles. So you don't have any range issues, yeah, right? But then too, yeah, it's like you, you never have to maintain it. It's cheap as hell to fuel. It's quiet. Exactly. It doesn't vibrate. It's faster. And that, yeah, that's your, no. your point's a good one. Like right. you go up sort of the use case ladder. Uh, now think time.
0: about when we, when we replace, uh, or augment physical construction workers with robots, little robots that climb up a building and like pour concrete and shape windows and do all those things and lay in wiring, right? We have construction robots that just crawl over a skyscraper and just build it, right? Those will need to be battery powered. You're not going to put a gas engine in each of the little robots. <laughs> You're gonna those will need to be battery powered, Wait, right? So- and so, imagine robots that go. I mean, clean solar panels. Imagine robot or or clean windows. We can have clean windows everywhere because little robots will climb over and clean the windows. We'll be able to just will clean every street can be clean because little robots but then you won't have that
3: experience of like looking out your office building and having some like random person just suddenly be staring at you in the face <laughs> <laughs> well, we
0: can have the robot stare at you with a little yeah. like camera yeah, we can you put go. a hat on the robot some red eyes yeah like little yeah terminator just looking in your window yeah. Yeah. if you want
2: or like that. a bitcoin or
0: you know twitter uh profile laser picture. eyes coming at yeah. you yeah. <laughs> right um and so, so, so does that d- d- battery be useful no matter what happens to fusion
2: yeah so duncan skipped this question in the intro which i was i was upset with him for but i think you've answered it is that is batteries your favorite uh dir
0: my favorite dir
2: or would it be um, like many robots on buildings would it be the induction stove like what what is your favorite dir
0: what is my favorite dir Um, well, there's the dirt. I think is going to be the most important, but it's a little, it's a little dark, which is war drones. (laughs) Um, (laughs) is that a dirt? Do we, would we call that a dirt? Yeah, it is. It is. Distributed energy, man. (laughs) Um, what's the R in dirt? Resource. 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 So we,
2: we view it as like, you know, it's connected to the grid. Yeah. I mean, I guess you
3: could say that the drone could come back and feed into the grid and then it would be a DIR. I don't know.
0: It's definitely a DIR. I mean, like it's, it's battery comes from somewhere.
2: Could it like Like, fly somewhere else and then give energy to it with its battery?
0: I guess. I probably could. Yeah. Energy transporting drones. I mean, like we're, that's obviously (laughs) going to be a very limited use case, but um, that's kind of, so one thing I didn't say about fusion is that fusion will enable DIR at the solar system scale. Batteries will be a poor medium for transporting yeah. energy across right. uh, interplanetary distances, um, but <clears throat> for fusion, is perfect for your little ion drive. You just run your little fusion engine on board and spit ions out the back. You can basically you can fly around forever. You don't need to like think about even specific impulse that much. You just instead of like launching a rocket so that it like <coughs> hits the launch window and does the right parabola and blah blah blah, minimizes the energy. You just like point and go.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: With
0: your, your fusion. And so that, and of course you can carry fusion energy to someone else. And so that's a dir that way, right? Sure. That's why I think cool. I fusion is do fusion.
2: Even if we figured out fusion, I don't like see it on like the grid or anything much. It just seems like it's going to be like for space. I don't know. Uh... It will <laughs> absolutely
0: be for space. I mean, yeah, what's, what, what's the main thing we use fission power for now? Submarines. Submarine. Right. And, and a, a spaceship is just a space submarine. <laughs> right if you look at the starship enterprise it's just like an old world war ii sub
2: yeah don't they make the uh what is it three body problem they talk about that explicitly that they're like ships
3: it's navy yeah it's based off the yeah. navy. It's yeah. like a whole yeah, the, point. the
0: navy <laughs> yeah, right yeah of course it's a submarine so yeah. anyway um but yeah so i think that there's going to be lots of cool dirs uh I don't know it's technically what counts as a dir and what doesn't. But, yeah, but I love um, it.
3: You went for it. You're like Wardrums yeah. favorite Sa- dur.
0: Yeah. No, I think you know. Obviously, Sam's battery powered appliances are the dir that has the chance to make me money personally. <laughs> <It's> also, <laughs> that's that's my favorite. favorite. Yeah. That's Give also my money. favorite dur. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Amazing. More
0: more money for me, and then I can buy rabbits, more treats, and little toys. <laughs>
1: nice
2: i i don't know if is can we can we jump into this just because we're on the stove thing can we can yeah. we talk about gas stove culture wars as like a ah. a segue into like thoughts on esg and i mean we touched on it earlier like the whole culture war thing but i feel like it's worth coming back to i don't know if duncan and colleen are like oh god
1: no but um, no please i i
2: love you know it. it's <laughs>
3: not a podcast until we've talked about the culture wars so. well and,
0: and
1: this is an episode which inherently is going to have a lot of uh uh, internet discourse going on. So yeah, uh, please. Yeah. What do what do you think about what happened, uh, whenever that was like a uh, month and a half ago,
0: man, it was a slow news week. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I'm sorry, the demand for, for culture wars is inelastic, right? When there's nothing going on, <laughs> we need to <laughs> make, make some, <laughs> over some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's like, let's fight over stoves this week. Last week we were fighting over genocide. This week we'll <laughs> fight over stove technology. <laughs> it's like we'll fight over it. next week it'll be something else. You know, maybe it'll be anyway, I don't know. Whatever. Um but that was silly. Uh the the salient fact about it is that most of the people with gas stoves are uh upper class liberal professionals in blue states, coastal blue states. Whereas most like Most of the people in, in, you know, red flyover country or whatever have electric stoves. Yeah. There was all,
2: there was also a funny
0: conflation between electric stoves and induction stoves. Yeah. Sure. And people are like, you'll pry my gas stove out of my cold dead hands. I'm like, go look at your stove. It's not gas. (laughs) You don't have a gas stove. You don't know what that is.
2: I never thought I'd see someone take a picture of a stove and then the caption is like, don't tread on me. I was like, wow, this did is they that- actually
0: get a gas stove or did they actually accidentally? No, make it a- was like all the burners were on to. OK, like, OK. Yeah, so at least they got that. But I bet they Google imaged it. I bet they don't actually have a gas stove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't.
1: Right. That's very what, possible. What What do you think about? So, yeah, like the, the culture war elements were pretty wild and i Wow. I love that, that the demand for culture war is inelastic. That's, that's like the demand for culture war is highly inelastic. That's incredible. But, um, what do you think of, you know, there's this, there's this research out there that, um, you know, these things perhaps are quite harmful to us in ways we didn't understand previously. Like what should a society and perhaps its government do in response to such information? Like, I'm I'm interested if anyone thinks we should ban gas stoves, even though that was actually never on the table and it was sort of a manufactured drama. What do you what do you think of that?
0: Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> battery stoves are just going to be better. So so just don't yeah. just don't
1: don't lose sleep over this. It's just yeah, and like out.
0: gas stoves. Yeah. The point is gas stoves are a tiny amount of emissions. And so it's it's. Not worth a ban. And so that's, that's also why like Sam's magic gas stove is not, Sam's magic battery stove is not going to save, uh, a lot of emissions. The real emissions come when you, um, you start, uh, you do things like heat pumps. Sure. And, uh,
3: yeah. Although the gas stove is often like the last holdout, right? So it's like, if you can get the yes. gas stove, then exactly. like people like, I mean, I won't say no one because people feel strongly about their furnaces, I'm sure. But the emotional attachment to your furnace is just different than yes. the emotional attachment. You don't
0: find yourself your hugging your furnace and being like,
3: Furnace, yeah. I love you. Don't <laughs> leave me.
1: Oh, you haven't met my dad. He loves his he loves <laughs> oh. his old gas boiler. He loves his furnace. I'm not huh? saying yeah. no
3: one, but um
1: yeah. Well, but but to be clear, it's really not about the emissions, it's about the the indoor pollution yeah. and the house. So
3: health. yeah. Right.
1: Like is that a is that overblown? Are people freaking out about this? So
3: Okay, so I have – I'm having, you guys, I'm having like an, uh, I don't know, existential crisis on this actually because Emily Oster, who is an economist who is – writes about parenting. Yeah, right? Expecting better, like what you can eat and not eat while you're pregnant, revolutionized the game for women, um, runs a parenting newsletter, wrote about this during the culture war period Mm because everyone was like writing to her being like, am I killing my children? Um right, it was like the natural reaction. Everyone was like, Oh my god, I saw this in the news. Like, do I need to get rid of my gas stove tomorrow? Um like literally she was getting that in her emails. She was like, Let me go look at the data. And she looked at the meta-analysis that was done, which is like what was used as the basis for the like latest research. And she basically didn't really buy the data. She was like, it's not really – she's like, I don't really know. It's not really there. But then I feel like all these smart people that I know in the energy industry are, like, very believing of the data. And now my mm. whole world view is at <laughs> odds to each other. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Maybe I should go read these meta-analyses.
1: <laughs> wow. This is, like, the inverse of – you know that term for when you, like, hear generalists talk about your subject matter and you hear they are wrong and, therefore, you think everything you don't know about you have yeah, that. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. This is the inverse of that.
3: Yeah. Um, well, because she's like a statistician and an economist. and So right. like she looks at how studies are set up.
0: And she You're like, talking about, um, Gelman amnesia, but in reverse. Yes. 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 Gelman amnesia is when you think you know someone's wrong about something, but then you forget it when they talk about something. You know someone's wrong about the thing you do know about. So you forget about the fact that they're probably wrong about the stuff you don't know about and mm-hmm. you just trust them. Yeah. And yeah. so the opposite of Gelman, like inverse Gelman amnesia. Is like when someone is wrong about the thing that you know about. Yeah. And, and because of that, you assume they don't have expertise in anything.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Except, except that I'm now like, who is wrong and who do I believe?
0: (laughs) Her whole world viewed (laughs) shaken. (laughs) this is not yeah i cannot answer this i I don't
3: think you guys can help me with you were looking
2: i think you were looking to him to be like the deciding vote yeah
3: i mean i was hoping you were gonna be like oh i've read these meta analyses and here's my take um but i don't it's okay that you haven't that you haven't gone down that rabbit hole um i'm yes
0: i would only go there if there was a rabbit that i could pet
3: Um so I guess if anyone is listening to this podcast and, and they've DM read these studies, calling. just yes. let me know. Help, because... help
0: her out, please. Yeah. Wait, so what studies have you read?
3: <laughs> I've read none of the studies on <laughs>
0: just I've it.
3: read two articles. Which, author- okay. which authority do you appeal it. to? Yeah. yeah, right. It's like right. So it's like it's like the authority of like energy guesses. people who I generally trust and then the authority of this economist who I trusted 100 percent in my pregnancy um on all of her recommendations and readings of studies and so i'm kind of like if i don't trust her on this and yeah it is like if i don't trust her on this like how can i trust her in other things
1: oh yeah
3: and the other things were things that like were very relevant to my health and the health of my child and so i'm like the only <laughs> rearing
0: a kid yeah. the only person you can trust is yourself so
3: Um, Emily Oster is a bit of a god for me. So (laughs) I'm, I guess I'm like having some real, it's, yeah. So I need to read the meta analyses and make a decision as to whether I don't agree with my community or if I have lost my God. Remember, there
0: is no God but God.
3: That's right. There you go.
0: Um, so, uh, yes, Emily Oster (laughs) is smart, but she's just one input.
3: I
2: know.
0: Right. That's, you know, she's just like, she, we all can can't get,
3: read our own studies, you know?
0: Yeah, nobody, nobody gets stuff right all the time. The smartest person in the world doesn't, you know, get stuff right all the time. I'm trying to think of who gets the highest percentage of stuff right, right. that I know. Um, who just like always sort of, always Sam sort D'Amico? of comes through. Huh? Sam D'Amico? Oh, uh, Sam D'Amico's, he's pretty good. He's like, um, <laughs> you know, I would say that he's, he's in the upper range, but like sometimes he'll just like come up with something that's like, four-dimensional chess he's like thinking t- way too far moves ahead and i'm just like pointing out oh this is wrong because of this and he's like oh true <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> so, but i'm trying to think of like someone who constantly like well well the person
1: with the highest percentage that. of being right is probably the person with either the least ambitious opinions or making the fewest opinions
0: yeah. alex stapp is almost never wrong s-t-a-p-p he runs the uh, Institute for Progress. It's just like a think tank about how to build more stuff. He's like, yeah, he's yeah. Um, Is he
1: dirt pilled? Really? I've seen
0: oh, he's he's super dirt pilled, and you should have him on the show because he's he's oh, amazing. Like, yeah.
2: If you ever meet any Durostab. any people like not necessarily in the energy world who are dirt pilled, that's who we want to talk to.
0: Yep. Get. I mean, you know, he he loves like the green energy stuff. He's just yeah. uh you know he's very focused on sort of lobbying for like more science, more construction, all the like, you know, build more stuff. And I'm totally on board with him. Um, but he'd be a he'd be a good person to interview him and his think tank. I'm trying to think of like who else would be. Um Lynn Stoller's fun. Oh, you should get Ramez Nam. He's amazing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah we he's great. We know Ramez, Yeah.
0: Ramez is almost never wrong. He's I've known him to be wrong once or twice, but like he's really on the ball.
2: Shouldn't it be like Nam's law? Like there's Moore's law. Like he nailed the whole solar cost curve, right?
0: Yes, but he was too, he was too shy to take ownership of that. So it, it became oh, someone else's okay. law. I forget.
1: Yeah. Oh. There's some other name. I forget. Metcalf? Yeah. Something. Well, that's
2: net, na- that's networks.
0: Oh, that's, that's the Network. OG. Yeah. Oh, that, that's right. That's Metcalf's law. Hold on. Who was the, yeah. hold on. I'm going to have to look it up. Hold on. <laughs> solar <laughs> cost law. So, um, Swanson. Swanson. Swanson's yeah, law. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Oh wow. We need to, we dirt,
0: uh, Jeopardy. After uh, 2012, <laughs> Nam published his in 2011. So it should oh. be Nam's Law, but Swanson absolutely took the credit for this. I'm On going this with Nam's law. law. That's Nam's you know, Law too. Nam's Law. Yeah. You heard it here first. yes Uh, let's let's just switch it to noms let's let's like brigade edit
3: the wikipedia page and then it's over absolutely
0: brigade wikipedia
2: let's go let's let's go on a yeah is the greatest
0: um yeah yeah, there's there's david roberts who uh see he's the he's david roberts is sort of an inverse gelman amnesia thing like he's um on everything energy wise he's just like really on the ball ahead of the curve knows everything that's going on in terms of energy and environmental stuff and then but he always talks about like just national random partisan politics and he sounds like your angry uncle he's just like
1: <laughs> he's just like whatever people were
0: getting mad about like oh, man. like 3 years ago he's mad about today we, we got to he was
2: pro he was in the gas stoves then. Um, oh, he's so the gas stoves. He's great. Ga- I, I
0: love, we, I love David. He needs to cheer up. He needs to eat his Snickers and cheer up.
3: But
2: he's, wait, not, a a great, he's not a doomer. That's a great, that's a great segue. And I did want to talk about doomers. You just wrote the doomer article. Yes. Um, my, fa- my favorite point, you know, we were just talking about this is the like, just how ineffective doomerism is. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well yeah, if you're going to think nothing's going to change then like it won't. Like cuz you're just not you're not going to do anything about it. So, I don't know, where do you th- where do you think like doomerism comes from and and what do we do about it?
0: Well, I think that um so so bad news gets more attention than good news. Yeah. And uh we've been um with with social media, the number of people who have an incentive to bring us bad news and shove it in our faces. Has multiplied by a huge amount. It used to be that CNN had an, in, you know, and your local newspaper. per hour news. Right. They, they had an incentive to bring you bad news. Now every single person who wants to chase clout on Twitter can do it by bringing you bad news. So, oh, so people Doomer's are is a function of the clout matrix, huh? Doomer is a function of the clout matrix. No one who has not been <laughs> listening to this podcast will understand what the hell we just said. Doomerism no, is a function will. of the clout matrix. <laughs> I love it. I'm I want a t shirt that says that. <laughs> so it's print it up. Let's go. Print it up. Um yeah, so <laughs> so absolutely. And so people are just getting bombarded with doomer crap all day now on TikTok too. And oh, yeah. um but Twitter's the worst. Twitter is just like you get yeah.
3: clout for wailing. You have to follow more zoo accounts.
0: You really do. On Rabbit accounts. Rabbit So hang. what's
2: the answer? Like yeah. we just get offline and take a walk? I mean like you can't fix it online, right? If that's the
0: Well, you can you can uh you can go to small group online spaces like Discord. Yeah. People's yeah. incentive is to just like be your friend instead of like scream bad news at you.
2: <laughs> like trying to connect. Yeah.
0: Right. Like go go to Discord, go to stuff, even you know, Reddit. Uh, has, is stupid. You know, Reddit's full of lies and stupidity, but it's not as full. It's not as doomer. But it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's, it's like, people are like, Oh my God, look at this crazy story I read on Reddit. I was like, no, you read a lie. Someone made that up. It's like, am I the asshole on Reddit? It's like, yes, you're the asshole for making that up. <laughs> like, like r slash relationships, you like, I dumped my boyfriend because he started talking about like, you know, um, Gramsci. And I'm like, no, that you made that up. <laughs> so like, anyway, but back to doomers. Um, so that's one reason is the availability heuristic and the preference for bad news over good news. Those two things have combined to just shove doom in our faces. Um, we have had, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of like genuinely negative stuff in the, in the news, but like only a bit more than normal. And, um, you know, COVID stressed a lot of people out, sure, but I, I also think there's another factor here, which is that, um, and here I go on my, my own angry old uncle rant. I think that, uh, <laughs> to some degree liberal culture, but to an extreme degree leftist culture in America has become totally addicted to the idea that everything, that institutions are all powerful and can do anything, can solve anything if you just, Um, Mm -hmm.
1: if you just, if we just sort of agree to do it. Yeah.
0: Right. So the college administration can make your college life perfect for you and Mm -hmm. your corporation can make your work life perfect for you and the government can make all a policy perfect for you. Right. And, and we've got this idea that, that all these institutions can just make things perfect for you and they can't. So the idea is if you just appeal to them enough, if you say like, Mm -hmm. help, I'm dying and you just like, you know, just screech and you just like roll on your back and just like roll around and kick your legs and screech, help, I'm dying, I'm drowning, then eventually the all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful, uh, all-kind godparent that is the university administration or Google's management or, you know, like a hypothetical Bernie Sanders government that doesn't fucking exist will eventually just come and give you all the stuff and they'll take away your student loans and they'll make you have – they'll hand you a little card that says, hey, now you have purpose in life. And you get paid a million dollars a year for it. And your relationships are all going well. And here's like the perfect <laughs> girlfriend and like whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you wanted, all you have to do is, is, is roll on your back and screech enough and institution will come and just hand it to you. And I feel that this way of thinking has become prevalent.
2: Interesting. So especially- the way to exert pressure and get what you want out of our current institutions is via like negative or like wailing plane or doomer yeah
0: yeah doomering and so doomer is just like uh so do you remember this black mirror episode with um i, I don't watch that show to be honest but okay does anyone watch Black Mirror?
3: <laughs> i've seen a number of episodes so you can you can try me
0: okay there's this one with daniel kaluuya you know daniel kaluuya the british guy um, who's in yeah. get out oh yeah. anyway. yes he's He's like, uh, it's this star search thing where everyone's sort of like locked in the bike, right? we on the bike, bike. get a bike. And he, how does he eventually get fame? He gets fame by holding a jagged piece of of fiberglass next to his throat and threatening to kill himself. And, um, you know, and then he just does that as an act and that gets him rich and that gets him everything he wants. He gets everything he wants in life, you know, which is just like a better apartment that doesn't show you ads Mm -hmm. all the time or whatever. And then like, um, but he has to like pretend to want, constantly want to kill himself for the entertainment yeah. of millions. And I feel like when I watch doomers, that's what I see. I see people who are like <laughs> like, you know, I'll I'll do it, man. I mean, maybe they're not literally threatening to kill themselves, although a few occasionally do, but but mostly what they're doing is they're just saying like, I'll feel really really bad unless you fix everything, mom.
2: <laughs> so the implication is you're saying like, you know, the the shards being held to the neck and you're like just like, yeah, go ahead, do it. Like, see if I care. Is that is that what you're saying? Like, to that—that's the reaction that we need. To I mean, be... my
0: my reaction isn't even that. It's like it's not like I am a strict parent who refuses to let the kid have the treat. It's like I am not your parent, and these institutions are not actually godparents. Yeah, yeah. right. They're not actually godlike. Yeah, they can't actually do everything. They can't just like make everything work for you. There are constraints in the world that your university administration, your university administration, cannot give you a romantic, charmed college life that you always dreamed of. Your Google management cannot make sure that you have a wildly successful career. No one can do this. Maybe they can do it for like one or two people. Google can like promote a couple people to VP, whatever, but they can't for the majority of people, they can't. Google doesn't even hire most people, especially after uh, zero interest rates ended, right? I think people Mm -hmm. are learning we can segue into ESG yeah. later, but but I think people are learning that like there are actual constraints out there in the world, and you can't just have the perfect romantic life that you always imagine for yourself. And it's not like if you just like wail loud enough uh as a doomer that they'll they, this will be handed to you. And doomerism is basically like taking the the wailing strategy and trying to apply it to the government, like government make climate change go away. Yeah, government mm-hmm. may you know well, and that that's wave. kind
2: of what like just stop oil
1: sounds like. That's right. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you think of, uh, with all of that as context, what you think of like Greta's elevated role in the discourse around climate.
0: Uh, I mean, you know, Greta, you know, she, uh, she has some, um, she does some good stuff, but ultimately I think she has gotten really into the role. And you see this with a lot of like child activists. Uh, you saw this with. People like, I don't know, David Hogg or whatever. They, they really get into the role and that becomes their personality. And Greta is, you know, enmeshed in this, this world that's very dominated by British and to a lesser extent, Swedish people of Northern European degrowth or socialism, mm-hmm. which is like, it's, it's this neo-pastoralist bullshit. That's like, all we need is like trees. <laughs> um, you know, all we need is trees and we don't need uh you know we just like end economic growth because they you know like you end economic growth and then you're like also end poverty all these yeah, things yeah, yeah. you just imagine right, that the, right. the the magical godlike government because to be honest the swedish government kind of does rock right like it it gives people this great social insurance system it great infrastructure great everything swedish government rocks and um It's easy to think, well, you could just the Swedish government could stop growth while also eliminating poverty and also getting rid of climate change, and also, you know, everyone will be rich if we just don't have any growth. Like, shut up, that's not real. But if you, if you're used to everything just sort of working, maybe that's attractive. And I think, of course, of course, British degrowthism is the worst. That's where degrowthism really emanates from, right? The British attitude isn't even all we need is trees. It's more like all we need is like sarcasm. (laughs) <laughs> you know like the the. the i mean the i do british love like, them
3: for that you know like always no. good for a good joke
0: yes uh, you can yes definitely it's time to make jokes at the expense of the british but like man the 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 corbin movement is just so much less realistic than the bernie movement in america like american socialists are like loony in some ways but like they're connected to reality in some ways but like um, but, but British socialists are just out to lunch. They are just like, it's all performance art. It's all just like some intricate British cultural ritual that I don't even understand because you have to probably like spend years just like understanding British culture. It's like,
2: isn't just stop oil
0: Brit- British? Did it start
2: there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Every, if, if the thing is silly. And if a thing is silly, it probably started in Britain. I mean, it's not just <laughs> you know leftist stuff that Britain exports to us either. It's like turfs. Now we've got all the turfs, you know, just like <laughs> screeching about trans people or whatever. They're like that. Like Britain, Britain is like so turfy. It's so in on turf. Or like, um, like Brexit. Like all the like, yeah, you know, yeah. yes, we can go it alone. Xenophobia and blah blah blah. Like we're like, oh, we could do that too. The- the British are doing it. It can't be wrong. Let's elect Trump. Arr, I hate it. Just because someone says something with a British accent doesn't mean that they're smart. <laughs> well, so what I was
1: interested in on the Greta thing, though, is not just like her as a person and her views and her takes, but I mean, like, the the system has elevated her as this important figure, right? I think this is what drives a lot of people's skepticism of all this stuff. They, they see it if, if, i'm not like this but you know a certain person would say greta's a psyop right like what what do you like <laughs> you know what i mean like why do we have this fascination with kind of like elevating children as like the one maybe it's exactly what you said right we look at our our institutions as our parents and so the most potent person to yes. deliver that message is a child
0: yes that that was actually better said than i could have said it
1: wow
2: nice. you
0: have you have wow. outdurred me sir
1: That's all I do. Okay. Well,
2: Um, I I think the best place to handle ESG and some of the stuff is in our favorite section, which is Dope or Nope. Um, you know, so (laughs) he's excited for that. Yeah, I want Dope or Nope. Before that, we have one very important question, which is: you are the Energy Czar of America for one day. Uh-huh. there's no nimbyism no nothing you can do whatever you want what's yeah. the one policy you pick like what's the one thing you do
0: i mean just like build a grid like is that one policy <laughs> just like, <laughs> like like you transition? mean like hvdc or what oh i mean sure we could build hvdc but or the whole saying, thing like, like, like approve, I, I now sign off on approving all transmission projects in the united states today goodbye just like the big yeah. rubber stamp yeah you can yeah, do big, that giant rubber stamp on all on all planned green energy and transmission projects, all hundred percent rubber stamp, then I'm done.
1: Interesting. What's so time? so I want to like you know uh, uh, just destroy the entire Everglades to put up solar. Um,
0: well, no one's proposed that.
1: But you're down <laughs> with it if I do.
0: No, I would I would not allow that moral hazard to create a bunch of silly stuff. I would just <laughs> allow all the stuff that's been proposed so far.
1: Ah, okay, okay, okay. That's an important distinction. All right. Yes.
0: I would, but if you
2: saw, if you did see something that wild in the queue, would you still approve it? Like, where's the, where's the, where, no, where's
0: the line? There is stuff that's too stupid. That's there. there, There's lots of environmentally damaging, harmful projects. It's just that people assumed that they couldn't get them through NEPA, so they haven't proposed them okay
1: so you're saying like relative to where we are today as like yes. a baseline just get it all done really fast get that get that shit done okay I do you okay.
2: love the online commentarian who's like uh it's like a drone video of like ton like a massive solar farm on like the hills and they're like does this look green to you
0: <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is exactly what looks green to me
1: they they uh they always uh post it with like the Joni mitchell lyric uh what is it pa- <laughs> pave paradise put up a parking lot yeah um <laughs> okay
2: we we got we got dope or nope now and we're gonna start you can just do dope or nope like you can be quick or you can also expound on it but you have to choose
0: one or the other do i have to say dope in like a 90s stoner voice please i think you should do that yeah
3: absolutely
2: okay so dope or nope uh esg nope (laughs) <laughs> i need more here i'm yeah, gonna go actually ask that's for private, a follow-up
0: private sector volunteerism is not going to solve the stuff and it just it all this stuff will just evaporate as soon as like zero interest rates go away and people start looking at their bottom line like is evaporating even <laughs> as we speak <laughs> yeah. amazing and wow so so like,
1: not, that's a new take i, I mean that's like that. a great yeah. just
0: yeah esg is a zero interest rate phenomenon it's like um it's it's not even dope or nope it's just zerp <laughs> it's, like, um, it's, um, it's just Zerp. It's like, it, it's like ESG is such a, to, I mean, on the margin, it's fine. Yes. And you know, if you're a responsible investor, go invest in green energy, don't invest in fossil fuels. That's fine. Yes. Do it. I'm just saying it's not going to be a big deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's not going to yeah, It's just kind
2: of like not relevant. That's yeah, honestly kind of how yeah. I feel. Like yeah. ultimately. Zerp. Yeah. Zerp. <laughs> right. All right, we got a new one. Dope, nope, or Zerp. Nope, nope, uh, or yeah, okay, exactly so economics. similarly, dope, nope, or Zerp, Davos. Which one? Davos and, like, I guess the World Economic Forum. Oh, Davos.
0: Well, and I'm going to give that a nope. Davos is a nope because um, it's a bunch of, like, finance guys who and and sort of the handmaidens of finance guys within <laughs> international economic institutions <laughs> who think that they're important. And they're not like, <laughs> so also, also a Zerb kind of also a Zerb. Yes. <laughs> kind of also a Zerb actually. It's like, you. yes, you think that like you're the masters of capital because like back in the nineties, you read some IMF papers about how countries should do austerity <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. You don't know what's going on. You are a ski resort <laughs> yeah. and you don't know what's going on. You're out of your element, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Would you go
2: if you were invited?
0: absolutely but i'd also
2: (laughs) yeah you'd go i would
0: absolutely go to the world world economic forum and i would have so much fun yes if you think all the trolls come from sweden you better see the trolls from texas
1: (laughs) amazing
2: okay so i'm not even gonna explain this one but uh dope or nope dervos i don't
0: know what that is let's go with dope
2: (laughs) Correct. So, I don't know
0: what that is, but I support it well we
2: we threw dirt fest uh our first like summit oh. conference um, dirt I was pushing very hard to call it dervos uh I think there's dervos still is a great
3: name. Yeah, yeah, so now you. James asks every person just so he can tell me how wrong I was, yeah
0: you <laughs> Helene, you're wrong,
2: so dervos is... <laughs> I love it it's settled,
0: <laughs> yes, James is right, dervos it's just so. <laughs> It's, it's funny. It's like, um,
2: right. It's a great troll. It's also a yeah. sick party. So, you know,
0: yeah, a sick party. I want to come to Durvos. I'd rather go. Yeah.
2: Come next year, man. We're we're yeah. going to do it.
0: Wait, is it going to be skiing or is it going to, I, I can't really ski anymore. No,
2: it's nah. going to be in some, no, it's, it's going to be in Brooklyn. some like dive bar in Brooklyn or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> dive bar. Let's do it in San Francisco.
2: Yeah. We could do a Durvos out there. Why oh, not?
0: Yeah. On the West Coast, man. That's where all the environmental and techie people are.
1: Yeah, it's true. Wait, people still live in San Francisco?
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Who do you think like takes like the chainsaws and flamethrowers and like goes at it every night? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Immortan Joe is in control. Anyway, more Mad Max.
2: What about eco raves? Dope or nope?
0: Uh, dope, dope. Yeah.
2: You, will you come to our solar powered uh, uh, rave as well?
0: Yeah. I've been to rave in like <laughs> 15 years. I don't
2: know. Sweet. It's probably, it's Thank not, I mean, there'll be some dance music, but there, you know, there'll be bands too. So it's, can I,
0: can I liquid rave? Can I do another number? Like yeah. A, a yeah.
2: Praise? Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Yes, That's required must. actually. Just, yeah. Can
2: I flip yeah. Just bring your own power sources is Make the man, only way. Parachute role. pants. Okay. Yeah. No, no <laughs> gasoline allowed. Oh, yes,
3: battery. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, no. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Uh oh. Uh, hold on, Rabbit started chewing computer cord. Fuck it, no, fuck off. <laughs> Stop it, you little bitch.
2: That, that's that's the clip right there.
0: Ah <laughs> Okay, she didn't manage to chew it. She tried, but she uh. that's right, bitch. I'm oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so rough. Oh Noah, anyway. Noah, I thought you loved this animal. <laughs> I love her so dearly. And she is not allowed to chew computer cords. <laughs> Now she's back chewing hay, which is what she needs to chew. She just ran up and she was like, you know, it, when, the reason she was doing it is cause she's irritated at the sound of computer voices. She doesn't like computer voices. Oh. Mm. Oh.
3: She was like, if I chew this mm. chord, I will end the voices. So yes.
2: smart. It smart.
0: was
3: definitely irritation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love that. I'm, she moved to big shouts.
2: Yeah. Do you guys have any other, who put wind here on Doberno? That's so random. Who did that?
3: I did that. Wind. Oh, <laughs> because well, I was like, I feel like we know where he stands on nuclear and on solar, and I was like, I okay, wind. yeah, there I don't you know. go. Wind is great.
2: Geothermal.
3: <laughs> Dope. every Dope. energy source. Um, oh,
2: yeah, we'll hydro.
3: The sun. Build it
0: all. It build Dope. everything. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Build yeah. it all. Makes sense. Nuclear. Anything but fossil fuels. Yeah.
3: Um, I love it. All right. So the last section's real easy. You just say big shouts to whoever you want to give big shouts to. So like big shouts to Sam D'Amico for building awesome yeah. battery stove. Oh, big
0: shouts to rabbits. Big yes. shouts to rabbits. Big Sometimes shouts. big shouts at rabbits if they chew my work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did 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 you actually did the camera actually see her chewing the cord? No.
3: No,
2: no, unfortunately. I wish. Yeah that would have been, been
0: cute yeah I'll, I'll show you after we stop recording i'll take it over and show you the rabbit.
2: so how about in this sphere in this like you know optimism solar punk you know uh non-doomer sphere uh-huh. um who, can you like rattle off some like big shouts to those people like who, who are your, oh, yeah. your favorites
0: oh man there's so many um big shouts to uh hannah Richie. have you read her Substack? no so she's awesome hannah ritchie she's um she does these like deep dives like like yes we have the minerals to build all this stuff shut up you know like <laughs> yeah. very just my one of my favorite uh sub stacks is is hannah ritchie um nice Ramaz nam big shouts to Ramaz nam obviously the big greatest shouts. futurist in the nam's world law nam's law Where, we've <laughs> done it uh big shouts to jesse jenkins for doing all the climate modeling mm. and doing farmer mm. big shouts to join yeah. farmer for writing all the the papers about um Scaling and and you know yeah scaling laws and um, big shouts to Zeke Housefather for bringing a little sanity to the uh, climate reporting. He's a climate scientist, but he's like, okay, here's the scenarios you need to report on. Here's the ones you don't. And uh, and it was good. That was very good. Um, probably best uh, sort of climate communicator in terms of modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so his his whole
1: thing me. is like the like we don't need to think about like RCP eight point five that like looks like the day after tomorrow movie
0: right mm-hmm. yeah exactly which and it then, seems uh,
1: like a good take yeah
0: right and um let's see i did jesse jenkins already um oh who's great um big shouts to um let's see big shouts to my friend lynn stoller who's trying to make solar punk a thing nice yeah nice. Big um, shouts to solar punk i gotta yes. check her out that's right um and uh i'm writing all these down by the way it's great oh these are great yeah, mean, lynn Stoller. S T O L E R. Yeah. L-Y-N. But, um, let's see. Um, big shouts to Sam D'Amico, obviously, for making this cool, this yeah. awesome company. Um, what else? Big shouts to big shouts to the, uh, to the Chinese government for making so many EVs and solar panels. <laughs> <laughs> um, are,
2: are you trolling right now?
0: Cause no, you know, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, the they, do, they did use now. slave labor to, uh, to build some of the solar panels. That was shitty. Don't do that. Um, yeah. enslaving people is bad. You yeah, that's
2: it. a not that's the opposite of big shouts,
0: and that's that's yeah. So let's qualified qualified shout there. Medium, yeah, medium qualified shout. shout. But at least they're building a lot of this stuff. And um, uh, big, <laughs> uh, big shouts to I mean big shouts to the Biden administration. The IRA was great. Big shouts to Brian Deese. Um, big shouts to Ron Klein. Um, all these people who were involved in this um you know this effort. Uh, big shouts to. Can I do not in the energy sphere or do you just want yeah. to ask? Yeah. Whatever you want, man. Big shouts to all the this. Yimbies. Big shouts to the people built like <laughs> making it easier to build housing in California. Uh CA YIMBY, Brian Hanlon, uh, Daryl Owens, uh, these folks, um, Scott Weiner obviously. Um, yeah, big shouts to Jerusalem Demsas, who writes about this kind of stuff. She's great. Um, big shouts and Connor Doherty is great. He writes about this stuff. Big shouts to um Oh man, let's see. So housing, um, let's see what else we can do. Um, big shouts to the industrial policy people, the people like thinking about how to do industrial policy. Yeah. Institute are we going to build
2: solar guys. and batteries here too? We're just in China. Pardon? Are we going to build solar and batteries here too? Or just, we are. China? It's
0: just going to be harder because we, we have trouble getting anything approved. Mm. We are. We're going to build a lot. The IRA was great. Yeah. It funded yeah. got the a lot down. Funding is done. Now we need approval.
2: Yeah, rubber stamp that. Your energies yes. are rubber yeah.
0: stamp it all. Rubber stamp that all. <laughs> um, yes, absolute big shouts to the Institute for Progress people, Alex Stapp, Caleb Watney, these other people. They've been looking into like problems with NEPA. Um, you mm. know, problems with approval. Mm. Um, big shouts to Joe Manchin, even though he supported coal like a jerk, <laughs> um, for enabling the IRA to become a reality and for trying to push expedited permitting. Well no, medium shouts to Joe Manchin. Okay,
2: medium. <laughs> medium
0: shouts to Joe Manchin.
2: Like the Chinese
0: government, he has he does something qualified. qualified. Qualified, yes, qualified shouts. Um, but then, but I mean, obviously, big shouts shouts to a dark Brandon, our great, uh, you know, shadow emperor, um, who rules from the shadows, even as you know, it's 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 like the dark spirit contained within the body of Joe Biden, um, <laughs> dark Brandon. <laughs> um, yes, who else is doing big shouts to the um, who else economic innovation group guys? They're doing some like mb stuff too. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Leah Stokes, she's great. Um, okay, I mean, that's that's good enough. Yeah, pretty I love good. That. That, was, that was great. That was, that the was most great. prolific.
1: Uh, big
2: shouts to ever. that. Yeah, to big who? shouts to that big, big shout section. That was the best big shout section.
0: (laughs) Nailed it. Amazing. And big shouts to everyone who has pet rabbits. Everyone out there who doesn't have pet rabbits, you should look into pet rabbits. They're great. They're easy to litter train.
1: (laughs) I can't, I can't. Your mission more, inf- more like more important than Yimbyism and all of the, and you yeah. know, increasing energy consumption per person is, is the, rabbit. Is the gospel His of pet the rabbit. Yeah. Well, right. Okay. I
0: mean, but we need to build housing or people have no place to keep their rabbits. We need mm-hmm. to build right. energy so right. that we can cheaply create more treats and toys for rabbits. Yeah. Uh, it's, the drive, okay. it's, it's, it's the driving. It's
3: all meaning. the rabbit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. All
2: right. I can't imagine a better place to end on. Yeah. So big yeah, shouts right. to you, Noah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah.
1: This Thanks so really much for fun. having me. This is great. Thanks.